0: Hey, hey, welcome in. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I am your host, Adam Taylor. And tonight, I'm flying solo. It's a, it's a one-man show here. Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson uh, both have other things happening. Other things came up. And so it's just me giving my thoughts on DC United's 2-1 to win over the Montreal Impact. Uh, so that's what you're getting tonight, is me talking about that. Uh, before I do, I, I don't have anyone to ask what are you drinking, but I will tell you that I am drinking Buffalo Trace bourbon neat in a glass um, because it's been a day. Um, th- this show typically focuses on D.C. United, but I, I think I would be remiss if I, I didn't mention the the actual big news in soccer in the D.C. area uh, today. I'm recording this on, on Wednesday night. And it's that Richie Burke um, abused Washington spirit players um, and including Kaya McCullough and that's not okay. And um, some accountability needs to happen and um, there's no room in sports for that style of management and, there was reason to think that he might do that when he came in and it was uh it was published on black and red united in fact um some reporting on on some of his some previous allegations against him and um we everyone was told by the spirit that it would be okay and it was not okay and um i i have a lot of feelings that i'm not going to go into beyond this, but um, accountability needs to happen with the Washington spirit. It needs to happen yesterday. Now, having said that, let's turn to DC United who are unbeaten in five and find themselves Closer to second place in the Eastern Conference than out of the playoff places. They are three points from seventh place. The last spot, they are three points from second place. They're uh, much further away from first place because New England is running away with in hiding. But we're not talking about New England tonight. Uh, we're talking about D.C. United, who came back to beat Club de Foot Montreal on Buzzard Point on Sunday night. Andy Nahar scored his first goal for D.C. since 2011. Uh, and Ola Kamara kept his otherworldly scoring rate intact. Uh, that was enough to overcome an accidental goal-of-the-week candidate on a, a mishit cross that floated into the the upper corner um, to give Montreal a first-half lead. Other than that chance, I'll put scare quotes around it, Montreal didn't create much of anything on the night. They had one breakaway later in the first half that... Um, Joe Kempen forced the the attacker to go wide and Julian Gressel got back and and looked like he had the shot covered if it had been on frame which it wasn't so that was a big chance for Montreal but uh, missing that kind of makes up I guess for the the very very fluky goal they actually did score Um, not exactly a comprehensive performance from from DC United they let Montreal control proceedings a little bit more than I would have liked especially in the aftermath of that first goal but um got to be said it was absolutely a deserved win for the black and red they created more chances they they really imposed their will on the game and the they they scored they they converted the expected goals into actual goals which was a problem earlier in the year and thankfully is less of a problem these these last few weeks um Andy Nahar I mentioned scored a goal in this one and if your feelings were not If you weren't in your feelings when you saw him score that goal and run over to Nicholas Bruto, the former Anderlecht assistant who Andy has credited as the reason he came to D.C., uh, I, I just don't know what to tell you because I thought it was pretty moving. And I, I think it was very obviously moving because... And he almost hung him up. He almost retired because of the injuries that, that basically kept him off the field when he was at LAFC last year and that forced him to leave Europe in the first place. And here he is suddenly playing best 11 level soccer at a new position in a unique tactical role to boot. Um, and and he credits Fruto. And he, he said in this outstanding feature uh, that DC United released. Uh, it's a a long video uh with claudia pagan interviewing him about his return basically um he says that players on the team nicknamed him frutito because he's he's little fruto um the two have obviously have a very close relationship and um it, it it's it's great to see and it's obviously helped andy a great deal and now it's helping dc united uh and i love to see that and uh i think Andy has an obvious case as comeback player of the year even if um MLSsoccer.com writers don't think so because not a single person seemed to vote for him on their staff uh in their midseason uh player awards and I think that that is mind-boggling. I understand it's it's a silly award. I should care about it less than I do. But Chicharito seems to be the the runaway Uh, favorite for this award, which given the awards history of being players who have come back from playing badly the year before Chitarito is a a perfectly consistent pick with that. I I think the comeback player of the year should be more towards a player who overcame adversity beyond not gelling with a coach or, or not playing well. I think overcoming injuries and um, other things should be more important to voters but historically it's not i should care less about the award whatever moving on uh ola kamara keeps getting good things he keeps scoring goals um currently a goal every 62 minutes on the season uh which is absurd that is an unheard of rate over the course of of a full season um and he actually afterward in the post-game press conference said something that I thought was really similar to what Jason said on this show just last week, that the system that Ola or that, that Hernan Losada has installed here really suits Ola's game. Uh, He, he does a lot of work off the ball that doesn't always get a lot of credit, but the types of chances that are created in, in this system that, that put him into good spaces close to goal where he can finish after one or two touches is a lot like what he was doing in Columbus when he was a Golden Boot candidate. And I think he's a Golden Boot candidate this year. If you're scoring a goal every hour, you're scoring essentially a goal and a half every 90 minutes you're on the field, you're, you should be in the Golden Boot conversation. And he is. He's right behind the leaders on that, who all have two to three times as many minutes as him. So if Ola can stay on the field, there's not a lot of reason why he should fall off significantly from this because the team is continuing to generate chances week in and week out. And he should be able to keep, uh, keep thriving in this system. I don't know that he will keep up the every hour pace. He, he did fall slightly coming into the game. It was a goal every 59 minutes. So his, his pace did slow up ever so slightly in this game, but uh, I think he, he should be able to keep it, keep scoring goals. Um, he did have what looked like a miss, but it turned out to be a great play by the goalkeeper on a cross from Julian Gressel that looked like it should have been a tap in, but the goalkeeper got to the ball in the near post and deflected it over Kamara's outstretched foot. Um, which was a little unfortunate because, you know, that would have made the, the end game maybe a little bit less antsy, but, um, can't really blame him for, for that miss. He's had a few misses. Don't get me wrong. But when you're scoring goals at the clip, he is, um, he keeps putting himself into position to be on the ends of those chances and he's putting enough of them away to to keep me happy at least for right now and um it was good to hear him talk about how the system really helps him out um speaking of the system Hernan losada uh not in anybody on mls soccer's coach of the year ballots which again it's a, it it's an award it's subjective it it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things i would much rather win mls cup than have any players win individual awards but i want it all i want everything for our players and our coach uh so i would i think losada deserves some credit here um he he's taken a team that was bad really bad last year and without a lot of major additions has, has installed a brand new system and is now DC United's the only pressing team. Uh, Extra time talked about this this week. They're the only pressing team that seems to have their legs under them right now. The red bulls are gasping for air. The union are in a little bit of a dip. There's, but DC United is really like accelerating right now. So it, there's something I think to his candidacy for coach of the year, uh, I, I certainly think that he has a strong argument. Um, one thing that's been interesting though is United didn't press all out for the whole game. They and this is the second game that they've done this. They did this against the Crew too, where they've deployed the press a little bit more strategically, a little bit you know not more conservatively, but they're they're not just going out there and pressing all the time. They're picking their moments. And he talks a big dogmatic game, Hernan Losada, And I think his principles are still there. He wants to get vertical. He wants to cause trouble in the most dangerous parts of the field, uh, whichever team happens to have the ball. But he's more flexible than I think he lets on because Jason, I'll credit him for, for this idea. DC United's been spending a little bit more time of late in a mid block which when you have the injuries and the fixture congestion and the summer heat that they're dealing with right now, it makes sense to take some breaks in the middle of the game and not run everyone in the ground and turn them into dust. And again, credit or not Losada with this. The thing is the mid block is also working and they are able to transition into the press and out of the press into the mid block and back and forth really, really well, which it's remarkable that I think that Losada has got plan A instilled so strongly into the team at this point it's incomprehensible that they would be good at a plan b at this point in the process half a season in and he was hired very late in the offseason remember he's had one preseason and then half of a season to to do this and I, it blows my mind that they are actually really good at both plan a and plan b and remember when you look at the red bulls or you look at philly in the mls cup playoffs biggest problem that pressing teams have run into is not having a plan B. When the Red Bulls faced Atlanta uh, the year that Atlanta won the Cup, Atlanta dropped off. They just said, you take the ball and beat us with it because we know you can't do it. And they were right. The Metros could not beat them with the ball. The Metros needed to press. The press was their best player. It was their playmaker. And if you just get rid of the ball, they don't have anything to press. They couldn't do anything. D.C. United can drop into a mid block. They don't have to Press you and force a turnover in the final third to score a goal, or to stop you from scoring, and that's a good club to have in the bag. And I, I think if if United can stay good at these two things, then we're talking about a team that nobody will want to face in the playoffs, and that's an exciting thing, especially as United moves up the table because. I think they're going to keep moving up the table the expected goals numbers have stayed very good the underlying advanced metrics look very good for dc united they're right up there with nashville and nyc at the top of the eastern conference um so i'm excited and i think losada deserves a whole lot of credit uh for for the adjustments he's made not just to his his overall philosophy which i think the again the concepts the the basic ideas are all still there but he he talked about how 70% is his principles for each game plan and 30% is specific to the other team and that 30% has been a major difference when you look at how they played against the red bulls versus the crew versus uh cf montreal it's those changes have have mattered and going back to the point about the the selective press the game winner in this game did come from a high press and it was a press where it reminded me a lot of uh one of the goals in the three nothing win over miami um where it was a turnover right at the corner of the box basically and in that one dc had basically funneled miami exactly where they wanted them Forced a pass, Russell Knauss forced the turnover, and, and United scored on the next touch. This one was really similar, but there were a lot more bodies around. Um, if you count the goalkeeper, Montreal had six guys on the screen that you could see in that quadrant of the field. And DC United had seven. They were <laughs> they had more bodies committed to the press that high up the field. And it was actually center back Tony Alfaro that forced the turnover in that final third um, and tackled it in such a way that the ball rolled right to Ola Kamara, who took a turn, opened up his hips, and, and scored. And another thing he had said in the, the post-game press conference that Jason wrote about in the the four things column, uh, the post-game reaction column on blackandredunited.com, uh, Ola talked about how earlier in the game he had noticed that Montreal's keeper liked to shade towards the, the edge of the goal, um during possession to make himself more of an option there even in the press and that meant if the ball turned over that far post was going to be wide open because the keeper would suddenly find himself instead of in possession to receive a pass he'd be out of position to stop a shot and he said if i get the opportunity i'm going to take advantage of it and he did and he just he said it was down to instinct after he made that note in his mind he just let his years of soccer training and muscle memory do the rest and um Again, props to him because it, it was a great observation and he made it count. And uh, it's hard to ask for much more than that. Um, Another thing, it's at this point, uh, I think asking for rest is good and it's good that DC United doesn't have a midweek game, uh, especially since I'm recording this on Wednesday and we would not have been able to get this done before the next game had had there been another game that quickly. But there's going to be uh, a lot more midweek games coming up, and that that means a lot more hustle for us here on Filibuster. Uh, not to the same degree as, as the players and staff of DC United, certainly, but we are going to be hustling to try to keep up with the, the rash of games because it's basically every other week, from here until the, the final weeks of the season, uh, every other week is... A two game week. So it's essentially just blocks of three games in a week and then a week off and then three games in a week and then a week off until you get to I think decision day is not that is a, a regular week, but both of the two weeks before that are are two week games. So it's going to be on and off and on like not even off like it's not like you get a real bye week. You just have a normal week instead of an extra hectic super crowded grind you into dust week and then right before the the end of the year you have 14 days with five games which is absurd i i mentioned it last week mls this is this is obscene <laughs> this kind of schedule it can't happen again because uh it's making everyone crazy and it's hurting players there's so many injuries all over the league not just with dc united like you can't blame Hernan losada's training for for the number of injuries just because you compare it to everywhere else in the league and their injuries <laughs> everywhere everyone is dealing with this because of this schedule um luckily i guess dc united has a reinforcement coming in they they went through the transfer window the secondary transfer window uh, without making a signing without trading anyone nobody in nobody out uh no garber bucks no international slots no roster considerations moved and then as soon as the the transfer window closes it gets reported that Minnesota United is putting Ramon Aliba, Juanchope, um, I think is his nickname. He's an Argentine Boca Juniors player on loan to MLS. Uh, they're putting him on waivers. They they are waiving him, and uh, that means anybody in MLS can claim him. And it was reported that D.C. United was interested, and then it was reported that they were not going to make a move before the trade deadline for him. And it turns out both of those things were true, because today Steve Goff reported that D.C. United has picked up Aliba off of waivers, and he will be coming to D.C., which is interesting, because the word on him is that as a forward, he's 31, almost 32, and uh, he was not in good enough shape to perform the defensive duties under adrian Heath's system up there in minnesota i don't know how that's going to translate to a high press system here in dc where losada has famously been about all about the fitness so maybe a change of location will help juan chope he's not a small guy he's a big burly bodied center forward who plays kind of as a poacher from what a little research I've done on him. He's a, very much a Fox in the box, but he's, he's a big dude. And, uh, or at least he presents as a big dude. He, he has a big presence in the box. He's, he's not easy to miss, but apparently he's pretty good at, at eluding defenders, uh, which is a fun little combination. If he can get into shape, he, he's a great option because he scored a lot of goals it, at the top level in Argentina. Um, but I, I have my doubts. I I will say that like there's something that, that doesn't connect for me. But if it connects for Losada, it connects for Lucy Rush, and it connects for Dave Casper, then I you know I will be happy to to eat crow on that. I I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for United, and their soccer judgment is, I'm sure. I, I promise you much better than mine. So I I'm going to be happy to defer to them and, and you know, root for him and root for myself to be wrong. Um, I think that's all the, the, the soccer talk I I've got. So um, if you are a Patreon patron, uh, which you can, you know, support us financially through Patreon at patreon.com slash filibuster. And if you have done that, you currently have access to our chat with my actual cousin clay Trainum, who is a host on the pharmaceutical soccer podcast in nashville uh talking about uh nashville sc and we got into it with him uh on an earlier recording and that's out now for patrons if you're not a patron that'll be out the day after this episode drops for you so that'll be out on friday this episode should drop thursday um, so make sure to listen to that to get ready for the Nashville game. Uh, make sure to go to blackandredunited.com dot com to to read all you could ever want to read about DC United and uh, a DC centric take on on American soccer, including the spirit, the national teams, and you know broader uh, MLS and NWSL. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast at blackandredu for the website, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. And make sure you download, subscribe ratings and reviews are helpful wherever you get your podcast. We are available uh, on all of them. Thanks to the magic of RSS. Mostly please tell a friend about the show. Uh, I promise. I think this is the very first episode I've ever done as a a solo. Um, At least the first episode of this show that I've ever done. uh, Solo so normally it's, it's a more entertaining probably banter uh, not banter not like in the internet bance sense but, but it's, a, it's a conversation with me and Jason and Ben and if you're a long time listener you know that uh, it's less me rambling by myself with nobody to bounce off of and getting lost in a word salad like I'm doing right now uh, so for the absent Jason and Ben I'm Adam uh, and we'll talk at you again real soon say goodbye me crap get vaccinated bye y'all